0: Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, your home for the latest news and analysis from the world of college hoops. Back again are your hosts, Josh Burton, Phil Dexter, and Peyton Burton.
1: What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 138. As always, this podcast is presented by House Enterprise and in part with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house com for more info. And as always, the Four Horsemen's back. We got the boys back in town. I'm your host, Peyton. I got Josh with me. I got Coy Gardner, not Coy Dexter. I got your last name right this time, Coy Gardner. <laughs> and then I got Phil Dexter back. Guys, what's going on? How's your day going?
2: Hey, what's going on? Always happy yeah. to uh i can make it work with the schedule and actually be here it's nice it's nice to see your ugly face it's nice to, to have so. you
3: and your brother <laughs> i was gonna say it's nice to have you and your brother here
2: <laughs> yeah we're the no, two, uh, the two well. brothers yeah it's you know
0: it's always nice to <laughs> yeah, uh, nice to be well. on.
3: yeah Yeah, I was going to say, I'm doing well, uh, dealing with the internet, you know how it goes, but we'll make it work. We'll power through
1: Yep, that's for sure. We'll definitely power through it. Um, Speaking of power through it, before I forget... And last last time we recorded, last uh, Thursday when we did this episode, I forgot to mention, towards the end of the show, I mentioned them later on. But we couldn't do this without our sponsors. They've helped us out all year. So far, they've been with us pretty much the whole season. And that's Beauty to Breeze Nutrition, located in downtown Edinburgh, Indiana. Guys, if you're ever in local, if you're ever in downtown Edinburgh, Indiana, and you need, and especially a day like this where it's raining, it's kind of droopy, uh, you probably don't have low energy. You're probably coming off of work. If you need any type, any type of boost, go down to uh, Edinburgh, Indiana. Go down to Beauty the Beast Nutrition. Check out Natasha. Get with her. And uh, they got a lot of things. They got protein coffees, protein shakes. They got boosted teas, protein cookies. Anything you need to get your fix for the day, especially like a day like this, Josh, when it's raining. And, you know, a lot of people don't have any type of low energy coming into this day. With that being said, oh, no, absolutely. Let's go. Uh,
3: Natasha and Beauty to Beast. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was lagging. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah, gotta get these. Hopefully, get these internet issues figured out because it's being weird right now. But, anyways, I've been having internet problems all week myself, so I'm with you on that. But let's go ahead and get into the first topic of the day before we get into talking about all these games that's happened so far this week. Let's talk about probably the biggest news that was brought by Jeff Goodman a couple days ago, Um, day out or Tuesday. It was actually spoke yesterday, and that's breaking news. The domestic violence charge against former Texas basketball head coach Chris Beard is now being dropped. Big news coming out of there. This has been an ongoing story for like the last month now with him and his wife being involved in a domestic violence uh, charge. Well, it's been dropped. Now, what does this mean for Chris Beard? Jeff Goodman did post yesterday that although he doesn't expect him to be back in college basketball next year, don't be surprised if he's having a head coaching gear next year. So, guys, what's your thoughts on this? And uh, the domestic violence charge has been dropped. So, what's your thoughts on this?
2: I mean, not necessarily unexpected. We already knew about a month ago, even before he had actually been let go, that uh, his fiance or wife or whatever the situation there is was uh, rescinding her claim. Um, I think ultimately, Texas just decided that they couldn't be uh, associated with anything, even you know, resembling that situation. And uh, you know, I still think that he probably sits out a year, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him back in two years at all.
1: Corey, what do you think about all, of, all of this?
0: Yeah, no, I think it was more of uh, just, you know, taking a stance against the image is what Texas kind of jumped to the conclusion of. Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to press charges when, you know, the um, fiance, girlfriend, wife, whatever she wants to be called, uh, you know, kind of speaks out. I think, uh, I think it kind of, you know, just kind of wrapped up the case immediately there. It just took a little bit of time for the DA to actually drop the charges and go through everything formally. But, um, I mean, I, I think that I think it's gonna, you know, kind of open the doors that you know, and maybe be something a little bit smaller scale. But I think, you know, I think Chris Beard ends up back in basketball at some point as well.
1: Josh, I'll put the question to you: How soon do you think Chris Beard gets back into coaching?
3: I think it depends on who wants to take a chance and the type of job opening. Um, it, it, it's a very tricky situation, obviously. So I think it depends on who really wants to take him, I say at least the year he sets out, but I would give it three years maximum he's back.
1: Yeah, I think it's an ongoing story. I'm sure there's probably going to be more stuff that's going to transpire here in a couple of weeks. Probably learn a little bit more about the situation. But the fact that the Chargers got dropped, I think it works in his favor. I think he'll, he'll probably be back. I don't think it's going to be next year like Goodman uh, originally thought or Talked about, but I think it's going to take about three years for him to get back into a college uh, coaching job again. But no, no, no that, that was probably the biggest topic of the week, and it transpired how it happened yesterday. So, moving on, though, we're going to talk about some bid thieves. What about stealing bids? And especially in these big time conferences, Josh, this is a segment that you wanted to do. You want to talk about teams that have the ability to maybe win their conference tournament. Maybe not going to get maybe they have to win their conference tournament to uh, get a big in the NCAA tournament this year. Who's some of the bid thieves that you're alluding to? Who do you think can steal a bid from a certain mid-major on the bubble? What's your thoughts on this? Who you got?
3: So I want to – I was thinking about this because we're at that time of year where it, I, it happens every year where somebody comes up in the conference tournament and steals a bid that has not had the greatest regular season. So with that, I, I'm looking at a team like Villanova. They've got a healthy Justin Moore back. Cam Whitmore is a super talented individual, and they are starting to play better. They, they're they stringing some good princes together. And they're kind of mid-pack of the Big East right now. That is a team that I'm looking at solely. Once we get to this Big East tournament and anything can happen inside Madison Square Garden, I think Villanova has got just enough talent that they can make a run and win like four games in four days and still a bid. Uh, I'm kind of curious on your guys' thoughts on Villanova and maybe some other teams across the country like that. Go yeah, ahead, I film. mean,
2: Villanova definitely has the uh, the talent to make a run. You know, we all expected them to, I think, be higher in the Big East and at least be, you know, in tournament position at this point. So wouldn't shock me at all to see them go on a run. Uh, another team, I think, in the mix, just depending on, obviously, how things finish up and, you know, whether they're in the position to need to steal a bid. But UNC is as talented as anybody if they find themselves on the outside looking in. They could definitely be a dangerous team at the ACC tournament who's desperate um oregon and they were just you know probably played themselves off the bubble with that loss last night against washington but again super talented team and then i think there's a few teams from the mountain west um any mix of like new mexico utah state and nevada probably two out of those three teams are going to have to win the tournament to get in um so i think those are some of the teams in the mix
1: what about a team like going to the Big Twelve? What about a team like Texas Tech? They've won two in a row. They just beat Kansas State Saturday last Saturday beat them 71-63. And they just upset uh Texas on Monday, beat them 74-67. Um, what's your thoughts on Texas Tech? Could they be one of these type of bid stealers to where – because that's the only way they're going to get an NCAA tournament. The 14-12 overall, their conference record still 3-10. The only chance they got of really making the NCAA tournament is they got to win the Big 12 tournament this year. So what do you think about Texas Tech? Could they be one of these type of bid steals that we're alluding to?
2: You know, I'm not sure. I think that uh, a lot of these wins that we've been seeing them get – Lately here in Big 12 play, Ben have been at home. I think they're a much better team at home than they are on the road or even on a neutral floor. Uh, again, we expected them to be better, but I think we all knew the Big 12 was going to be such a dogfight that anybody could be the team that sort of ended up on the bottom. I'm a little bit surprised to see them at 3-10, and 10, but I just don't think they quite have the guard play that it's going to take to you know, knock off Kansas, Texas, Baylor. You're not obviously going to have to go through all three of those teams, but probably at least two of the three.
1: Corey, what do you think?
0: i say there's just one more team that I was kind of thinking would be like a Penn State uh, out of the Big Ten. Um, they're a team that shoots the ball extremely well at times. Uh, they kind of are a bad matchup for some different teams. Um, you know, I was reading some statistics on them last night. I mean, and uh, in a couple matchups against top teams in the Big Ten, they're, they're shooting almost, you know, a higher percentage than what they are against some of the lower teams. I think they're a team that's absolutely dangerous uh, when it comes, you know, Big Ten tournament team, if they get hot for a couple games in a row, they could potentially make some really big, you know, big fire and uh, really run through it potentially. So Penn State was one that, you know, they could really, you know, if they're kind of on that, that teetering bubble right now, I kind of believe. And I think they could uh, they could really make a case for a big steal.
3: Hey, guys, can you hear me real quick? I am so sorry. Yeah, we got you. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, like a couple teams that you had mentioned as well. Um, uh, I, I think you had mentioned Texas Tech, I I think, right, Peyton? Yes, correct. I, uh, another one of those teams too that I'd like to mention is West Virginia. The way they play defense, you've already seen them with a, a couple nice wins inside a conference play. I think a team like West Virginia, although I know technically they're in the tournament right now, but they're more hovering towards the bubble. They're a team that could get hot in a hurry and steal a bid from another team. Uh, West Virginia is another one of those teams, but like back to my original point, Villanova is the team I'm looking at. I just, I just, there's something about Villanova, Madison Square Garden. They've got their pieces back now. I'm looking at Nova to steal a bid and knock somebody like North Carolina or Kentucky off the bubble.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think they got the talent. I think they're going to have to make a run. Uh, they got the talent enough to make a run in the Big East tournament, especially in MSG. I mean, Cam, Whitmer, uh, Cam Whitmore, who the hell is that? Cam Whitmore, excuse me, uh, is a fantastic player. He's a top 15 recruit coming to this year. And let's not forget, four of their five starters – came off of last year's final four team. So they got some pieces on this team that's been experienced. It's made some runs before. So now you just add Kevin Whitmore to the situation. It just makes them even better. So I agree. I think Villanova is definitely a team that can win. I could sneak into the tournament and steal a bid from a, a team like on the bubble, like a Kentucky or Carolina.
2: Well, now you also have Justin Moore working back into the mix coming off that yes. Achilles injury. Um, yeah. So if they have him back coming down the stretch, you know, at, not even full health, but even, you know, 80, 85% of what he was last year. That gives them, a, you know, a whole nother dimension to their offense, another weapon, um, improves their backcourt and their depth a ton. So, yeah, Villanova definitely a team to want.
1: Josh, do you think there's a team in the SEC that potentially is still a bid?
3: Um, yeah, actually I do. I'm glad you brought it up. I, this may sound crazy, but I think Vanderbilt can. I, I think with Liam Robbins, his skill set, ability to step out and hit the outside shot, but more importantly, protect the rim. They, we've seen them play better than a lot of teams or people have expected. We talked about it when they beat Tennessee last week that Jared Stackhouse runs brilliant offense. Ezra Mignon, they've got some dudes on that team. Now, for them, where they're probably going to end up in the SEC is going to be they're going to have to probably play on Wednesday and run five games in five days. But with the right matchups, they can get hot, and it's in their backyard. I think of all the teams in the SEC, and we're talking about bid stealers, I look out for Vanderbilt. There's something about this team, especially if they can get hot from the outside. They've got the big man. They're running good offense. They're having a good year for themselves. Vanderbilt is a team that can create a lot of havoc, and I think that they are the team out of the Southeastern Conference that can steal a bid.
1: Yeah, I agree. On Kempom, they're a top 40 team offensively on Ken Bomb. They're ranked 38th. Three-point percentage, you mentioned If They can hit some shots. I mean, they haven't really done it too much all year. They're below average shooting about 33% from the three-point line. But if, they, if, they, if it comes down to an SEC tournament, uh, a team like that, they can get hot pretty easily. And they got guys like Jordan Wright and Tyron Lewis. Or Tyron well, look, and at
3: them. look at them right now. They've won four in a row. Yeah. Right, I mean, they beat Mississippi, they beat Tennessee, they beat Florida on the road last Saturday, and then they beat a a bad South Carolina team on Tuesday. The remaining schedule is not that easy for them. They've got Auburn. They should win against LSU. They've got Florida. Colin Castleton's out now. Kentucky on the road and Mississippi State. There's still some wins there, and that would put them – let's say they get two of them. That gives them 18 wins. That puts them in a decent spot in the tournament, SEC tournament. I think this Vanderbilt team could make a run in the SEC tournament. As you mentioned, top 40 offense. Defense leaves a lot to be desired, 173 in the nation. But that offense, man, and ultimately at the end of the day, it's going to come down to who can make buckets. And there's something about this Vanderbilt team that I think they can cause some havoc. No, I agree. Out of those five games that you just mentioned,
1: Ken Palm only has them win one of those games, and that's the LSU game on the road. Ken Palm hasn't favored seventy-one to seventy-one in a gamble one. Play. I think they beat
3: Florida again. I, I, I without
1: yeah. Colin Castleton, I think Liam Robinson is going to have field day. Yeah, without a doubt, I agree with you on there. But moving on, let's actually stick to the SEC. Let's go into talk about some of these reviews. Uh, the biggest game so far of the week, number one, Alabama takes it now to the, the eighth. Uh, number one team in the country to lose this year to get knocked off. Tennessee holds home court. Rocky top Tennessee does it again. 68 to 59. Phil coming into this game, both teams defensively was ranked top five in the country, but the biggest difference that we thought was going to be in this game is that Alabama is ranked like top 10 in the country in offense, and Tennessee held them under 60 points. Talk to me about this game and how good is Tennessee's defense.
2: Yeah, I mean I think after Tennessee's struggles the past couple of weeks and some teams heating up from 3 against them a little bit, there was some talk that maybe that legendary 3-point defense, you know, was more luck than actual great defense, and I think we've seen, you know, an example here tonight or uh, last night, excuse me, of uh them still being the elite 3-point defense that the statistics show them to be. I mean, held Alabama to 9 of 24, which doesn't sound that terrible but alabama shoots so many threes that they really they have to shoot even better than that you know especially if they're you know relying just on brandon miller who goes three from eight three for eight but um the physicality in this game was the story and i'm sure josh and you guys will talk about it but the refereeing was just not good i mean alabama goes to the line 20 times and probably could have gone to the line 30 times easily i mean it was just it was a shit show, as I think a lot of SEC games this year have been. And honestly, Big Twelve games, we could probably talk about every conference and the officiating, but Tennessee was just getting away with mugging them. Um curious to hear your guys' thoughts.
3: You're absolutely I'm glad you said it like that because you're absolutely right. Like, I don't think that there has been a worse conference for officiating this year than the Southeastern Conference. It has been awful from the word go and Alabama, consider this. They played a pretty bad first half, and they were still tied going into halftime. And I thought at halftime, because of all that, Alabama was going to find a way to win this game. Credit to Tennessee. Their number one defense came out. You stopped a high-powered offense of Alabama. You held them to 59 points. Tennessee did what they had to do. But, Phil, you were 100% right. Tennessee got away. They implemented the game plan that Northwestern implemented that we'll talk about against Purdue and Indiana. We're basically, we're going to foul every possession and make the officials call them because we know they can't call every foul. Alabama, Brandon Miller fouled out of this game. He fouled out with 15 points. And I don't want to take away from Tennessee's win because ultimately they did what they had to do despite not playing the greatest themselves. But a guy like Jonas Adu was huge in this game, negating what Alabama wanted to do inside. But I really do think that the non-foul foul foul calls were a huge factor in this, as much as Tennessee's swarming defense was.
1: I think another big factor in this game, Coy, is – Tennessee's backcourt, I think, played better than Alabama's backcourt. If you look at the stat lines, Kai Ziegler had 15 points, 8 assists. Santiago Vescovi had 15 points as well, 8 rebounds. So both of those guys had 30 points combined off of their fingertips. So I think that's the big difference in this one that not only was the fouls um, – brutal. Um the refreein wasn't the greatest in this game hasn't it's been the common theme of the SEC this year it seems like but I think the biggest difference for me and I'll see, see if you agree is Tennessee's backcourt just played better than Alabama's backcourt into the, in this game.
0: Yeah, no, that was the biggest thing, that, you know, we we had talked about numerous times is just the inconsistent play uh out of Tennessee and they finally kind of stepped up and came to the plate. I mean, they didn't shoot overly well uh overall as guards. I mean, they're still you know, four of 11, four for 10 from the floor. But, I mean, when it mattered, they got the job done. Uh, Alabama, you know, shot even worse uh, overall from the floor. I mean, guards-wise were one of six and two of six, Um, you know, for their starting two. uh, Some of the other, you know, uh, we talked about a couple guys off the bench that just didn't really come in and, you know, have a a huge step up like they had previously. And it was just like Tennessee just kind of kept Alabama off balance and, and never really got anything comfortably to kind of make a run, and Tennessee had the uh, the guards to kind of step up and, and make the key shots to kind of give them, you know, I mean, almost what uh, 45% of their point total. So uh, I think that was the deciding factor for this one for sure.
1: I mentioned how that this is the eighth, uh, number one team in the country to be fall to be knocked off this year. So I'm gonna put to you guys. Me and Corey kind of talked about it a little bit last night when we was doing our post game live on Facebook to you and YouTube. We talked about it a little bit, but I'm gonna bring this question to y'all. Um, is there a definitive, best team in the country? Because I feel like we've said that for a whole year, like there's been seven different teams that we've said that are the best team in the country, and they end up losing like right away. So is there really like a definitive best team in the country? Or is this bitch just wide open to where there's a lot of good teams?
3: Phil, I'll take this one because I think me and you might be on the same wavelength. Maybe not. But in my mind, definitive, no. There's like you mentioned about six or seven good to really good teams. But I still think at the end of the day, talent for talent, if you take their offense, defense, I still think at the end of the day, despite this loss, Alabama is the best team in the country. To me, if you made me put money on winning the NCAA title on February 16th, Alabama is my pick all day. Point blank.
2: Yeah, I'm with Josh. I I think Alabama is still my favorite, but I don't think there's a clear cut you know, best team by any means. I think there's a tier probably even a little bigger than Josh said, in my opinion, of probably like 10 to 12 teams that I think on any given night can give pretty much anybody problems. Um, it's just, it's going to be about finding consistency. You know, we've seen teams, Alabama, UConn at times, Kansas, all these teams play really good singular games, but who can put together five straight teams great basketball games because that's what it's going to take to win it. And I think that's, you know, that's the interesting thing that's going to – somebody's going to have to separate themselves.
1: Coy, what do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you and I mentioned it last night. I mean, we kind of tried to list off our top five, and it was like, you know, there's four that kind of stood out, and then all of a sudden it was like four through ten was – or, you know, or five through ten was a real scramble. And it was like, you know, there's just so many to mention. And, you know.
1: Did we lose Koi?
0: Pretty impossible to really, you know, really have.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I agree more with Phil. I, I don't think it's a, a defending the best team in the country. I think Alabama is definitely a candidate for it. But I think there's about like 10 or 12 teams that can make a case for being maybe the best team in the country. But I think this bitch is so wide open. I mean, this, Josh, you commented it or you uh, posted it on the Facebook group. This tournament is going to be so damn fun because it is so wide it's, open. Anybody in like the top 30 can make a run to the Final Four. That's how wide open this tournament is going to be.
3: It's going to to be electric. Um, I think this year you always see those brackets where people fill out their brackets. And in most years when you see people have like, oh I've got a, a 13 seed go to the final four, and people kind of mock that. I'm not saying a 13 seed makes the final four this year, but I'm saying that the way the season is played out, depending on matchups, I would not be shocked if we have a the highest combined ranking in the final four we've ever seen this year, where we have like an eight seed, a six seed, um, uh, a two, and maybe like a 10. It's going to be insanity. Because you think about some of these teams on the bubble that we continuously talk about. Yes, they have struggled. But when you get to March, that's half the battle. Then if your talent plays up to potential, like in North Carolina or Kentucky's, the two most prominent teams on the bubble right now, we know they got enough talent to make a run. So I think this thing is wide the hell open, and it's set up for an electric and insane march. By the way, Peyton, I wanted to add one other thing. You mentioned the stat of this is the eighth time a number one team in the country has lost. It ties the record in the poll era. Eight times, I think it happened back in 1949-50 season. It's been a long time, and I'll put it this way. I don't think we're done. In the final three weeks, whether that's going to be Alabama stays one Houston goes one again, Purdue, whoever, we're going to have another one, and we're going to break the record in the final three weeks.
1: 100%. I agree with you 100%. This tournament is so wide open that I'm sure whoever's going to be the number one come next week, which is probably going to be Houston if they win out, um, it's going to be very interesting because they can definitely take an L because they've already taken an L this year the Temple. So I agree with you. Moving on to the next game, Corey. I hate to do it to you, man. We talked about it a lot last night. But Northwestern, it's a game winner to BIU, Uh 64-62. We talked about it last night um iu came back from being down 21 points at one point had a chance they tied the game up 62 to 62 and then boo booey man this kid was good all year, all night and he was good all year round and he hit the game winner 21 points for him six rebounds four assists coy your boys took a tough l but you got to be happy about how well you boys came back and how hard they fought to, after being down 21 points
0: yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we mentioned it last night. I mean, I was the first person to say in the first half uh, when, you know, Northwestern got out of that run that the game was over. I just did not think that there was any kind of chance of uh, Indiana battling back. I thought, you know, the momentum had really just shifted. Indiana wasn't shooting the ball well. They are 0-5 uh, from three-point land. We're missing some key free throws. Uh, had multiple turnovers. I think six turnovers at the half alone. And uh, it just kind of looked like things were just starting to really unravel. Uh, and uh, so, no, the second half, you know, came out. Uh, they kind of mentioned, you know, the commentators, uh, Robbie Hummel and stuff, kind of mentioned that that first five minutes was going to be the telltale sign. Indiana kind of came out with a little bit of run. And then, uh, you know, Northwestern kind of matched it. But then all of a sudden, it was just uh turn on. Trey Galloway hit a three. Uh, Miller Cobb hit a three. And kind of battled back, and next thing you know is there's 11, Then it was nine, and they didn't look like they could really get past that nine-point mark, and then all of a sudden they they took off. But, no, Boo Boo, just absolutely was lights out uh, and was an absolute champion on the floor last night.
1: Josh, we talked about it after they beat Purdue on Sunday. We talked about it on a Monday show. Northwestern in this game, they got out rebounding 36 of 25. They got dominated in the points in the paint, 32 to 22. They got out assists. Indiana had 15 assists compared to Northwestern's eight. Indiana shot better from the field, 49% compared to Northwestern 37%. And once again, Northwestern struggles from the three-point line, goes eight of 33, and still wins this game. How resilient is this Northwestern team? And are they a tough out when it comes to tournament play?
3: Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt right now. How far they go, that's, let, you know, that's the big question, I guess. I mean, they're so in sole possession of second place in the Big Ten, having an unreal season, and they have a star. We talk about it all the time in March. If you've got a star, you've got a chance. Boo Booey's been unreal, may end up on the first-team All-Big Ten category. I think, and I alluded to it just a few minutes ago with Tennessee, If you watch these games with Northwestern, it's very clear their game plan. They go against a big dude, a Zach Eady, a Trace Jackson Davis. They're running double teams and they're going to make officials try to call every foul, which they're not going to. There's no possible way. So they are going to mug you. They're doing the old tactics instead of like a high school basketball that where you have a shot clock and you can slow the game down they're just going to mug you and slow you down and be physical and if you're not ready to come in for a battle, Northwestern is going to win the game more times than not despite the uneven and inimpre- or unimpressive stat lines that you've mentioned 8 of 30 or 8 of 33 from the three point line for 24%. That's not traditionally how you pull upsets, but they are just so tough minded. It's like every time that you feel like that they're going to falter is when they get better in a weird way. This Northwestern team has been very impressive. And Peyton, I'm with you. I think, can they win a game in the tournament? I, I do. I, I think they can. But like we talked about, Phil, it's all about the matchup. And real quick on Indiana's point, TJD was great again. Hood Shafino four turnovers. Again, he's got to take care better care of the basketball. You're not going to win big-time games in March if you don't take care of the basketball. And he played all 40 minutes. This Indiana team, to hit their ceiling of potentially a Final Four, desperately needs Xavier Johnson back, Bill. Yeah, I'm curious to hear y'all's opinion because, I mean, it's just so, like,
2: there's so much competition that I don't know if he'll make it. But Boo Boo is absolutely deserving of being all Big Ten. Um, any other year he probably would be. But like I said, there's just so much competition this year between you got TJ Shannon and Jalen Pickett and Jalen hood Um, You know, we could go on down the list, but curious to see if he ends up getting there. But just want to give Chris Collins a bunch of props too. you know, he was on the hot seat coming into this year. A lot of people calling for his head and to, to bounce back the way they have after losing Ryan Young to Duke and Pete Nance to UNC, their entire starting front court. And actually improving has been unbelievable. Uh, Chase Audigy has had a really good year. um, Didn't shoot the ball really well tonight, but overall has been a great shooter this year. Um, I think Northwestern, like Josh mentioned, just the style of play that they play is going to be tough in the NCAA tournament. I do think that the officiating will adjust a little bit to them, so they're going to have to stop with the constant mugging. But I think the the physicality can continue to a point. And if they get hot from three,
3: Phil, is there any better example of why the Big Ten has struggled in the NCAA tournament than Northwestern this year with the physicality? And you mentioned adjust them to the calls in the tournament. The Big Ten, this is the Big Ten basketball in the last twenty-three years where they beat the dog shit out of each other, and then they get to the tournament and play a team that's more free-flowing and open, and the refs allow them to play like that, and they don't have an easy adjustment period. I think Northwestern specifically this year sums up the big 10 conference and why they fail so much in the NCAA tournament in the last 23 years.
2: I think that's fair to a certain point, but I do think that we've also just seen a level of physicality across the conferences. Like we were talking about earlier with the officiating that maybe we haven't seen in past years. I mean, sec play, we see Arkansas foul a ton. I mean, I mean, not just them, but a lot of fouling in the SEC, a lot of physicality. We talked about it with Tennessee. Same thing in the Big 12, you know, West Virginia, Iowa State, Kansas State, all those teams played very physically. You see a lot of fouling across the board there. So I think this year, maybe, and it's because of, you know, more of a veteran presence with NIL and guys not leaving as early that we're just seeing a more physical
3: game. But I do think a Corey, uh, Phil mentioned it about Boo Booie, about how he could potentially be an
1: All Big Ten type of player this year. We talked about it last night after the we was done recording all our post game or doing our post game live. Tell everybody about the stat that Boo Booey has was averaging against ranked teams this year.
0: Yeah, against uh, against ranked teams this year, he's actually shooting he or averaging twenty three point eight points a game, uh, shooting forty three percent from the floor and uh eighty nine percent from the uh the free throw line just in those games alone, so I mean he's a guy that when it comes to the big stage, he steps up tremendously and boo boo he absolutely deserves to be first team all big ten, no matter what
3: he's absolutely carried this team this year, yeah, yeah. this last
1: yeah. year last year's team they were fifteen and sixteen. This year, yep. coming into this year, they lost two big time players, and Ryan Young and Pete Nance, two blue bloods. Ryan Young went to Duke, and Pete Nance went to North Carolina, and now they're a definite tournament team, and they're sitting solely in second place in the Big Ten conference. It's incredible what Chris Collins has done uh, this uh, this year, and I think he's definitely in the conversation for Big Ten uh, Coach of the Year this year.
3: Peyton, real quick, well, before yeah. we move on, because I know we I, I know we gotta move on. I, I do want to. Okay. Not call you out, but I do want to mention something. You guys mentioned on the ECB Live last night, talking about Indiana, that yes, they can lose the rest of the games and they'd still be in the NCAA tournament. That is very fair and probably accurate. But the reason why they need to keep winning is because they need this double bye in the Big Ten tournament. You don't need the extra game, especially when Trace is playing 39 and 40 minutes a game, and he's probably going to do it when they go to the Big Ten tournament. They need to win as many games as possible down the stretch, not only for the March Madness for the NCAA tournament seed line, which they're currently a four seed in most people's brackets, but to get a top four double by in the Big Ten tournament is more so for Indiana important than anybody else because their best player is playing so many minutes. You need the extra day off.
1: I get what you're saying, and me and Corey talked about it last night, like you're alluding to. However, in these last two games, he's almost played. He's played almost 80 minutes in these last two games. I, he sat I, out for 36 is,
0: seconds last night.
3: Which is seconds. exactly why they need the double buy for the X. You but don't at, need to at be the playing same time, on like, Thursday. What's more important, well, uh, NCAA tournament or the
1: Big Ten tournament?
0: And at the same it time, I don't see the the, the, the double buy if they if they take that first loss then. You know it's done, and they're resting up. I don't. I mean, I think. I mean, the only thing they're helping is their their line of you know four it's seed, a five yeah. seed, or a three seed. Like it's not. It's anything. not like
1: it's not like last year where they needed to make a run in the Big Ten tournament to make the turn, to make the NCAA tournament. It's not like last year. They're always solely in that. But that really doesn't mean anything unless it really does. Win though it.
3: It, it it does mean something because Trace has already shown that he's not going to set out for very long. And you don't think that if they played a game on Thursday that he's not going to want to play 40 minutes and then have to do it for four or five days in a row, then have to a couple days rest to fly out to wherever they go to the NCAA tournament? They need that double buy for, if nothing else, an extra day off. That's why it's important. They but need the double bye.
0: It, I also look at it, no matter what Indiana's done in years past, they're, they've also won three or four games in the Big Ten tournament. They just never play well when it comes to that stage. And so that's something that I just, you know, I don't put a lot of stock into them playing multiple days there. That's
2: just me.
1: Only thing I'm saying, I don't think you should. No, I think
2: to Josh's I think to Josh's point, though, it's not about playing multiple days there. If they lose after getting the double buy in the first game, that's fine. It's just about saving the mileage. Uh, I mean, Thank it's you. about one less game that you potentially have to play putting 40 minutes of mileage on Boo Booey. I mean, the same thing could be said if you lose the opening game without the double buy, but I think at that point, if you don't have the double buy, you might need that opening game. Like we keep talking about Northwestern as a for sure tournament team. Nobody's, I mean, other than the top 15 teams in the country, if anybody goes 0-4 or 0-5 down the stretch, you're not in the tournament. So and that's absolutely possible in Big Ten play. So I mean, Northwestern, while they're in the tournament right now, if they, you know go 0-3 or 1-3 or whatever it is down the stretch, they may need to win in the the Big Ten tournament. And putting that extra mileage on Boo Booey, like to Josh's point, is going to be detrimental to them.
0: I think we're talking about Trace Jackson Davis more but than that. But he's
3: right, though. But he was right. We're kind of talking about both, though, in fairness. Trace with Indiana and Boo and Northwestern, the kind of same spot. Both teams need to double bond. Like, point blank period. They both need the double by the extra day. But we can go ahead and move on.
1: coy this is the first time me and you are going to agree on something because we definitely agree on this. We're on the same page as this. I mean, there's no need for him. I don't, I'm not saying to set him. I'm not saying to limit his minutes to, like, 25 or under. Just limit it to 30, especially if you're already winning these games by a lot. There's no need for him to play, like, 40 minutes every fucking game. Like, there's no well, need just... for it.
0: The biggest thing is Indiana just needs to have, like, their, the conversation early in the year was they had the most depth. They had, you know, so many guys off the bench that was going to come in and compete. They need a role players to step up. Like, we just can't keep relying on two players to try and carry all the way through. Like, somebody has to step up and make a shot. Somebody has to make a play. And yeah. so that's the biggest thing. It's like, you know, I mean, I know Trace is that guy, you know, on almost every team in the country. But at the same time, like, we need something. And on yeah. top of that, Chris Collins has done a hell of a job because he's taking a team that was projected 13th in the Big Ten and taking them up to second now. So, yeah. but and Boo Boo got away with a push off.
1: Was that a, should that have been called? I mean, I don't think you would get that call on the road. I mean, I get it. He might have pushed off. He might have extended the arm. But also, I mean, I think he could have probably played better defense. He probably could have sent a double team after him, get the ball out of his hands, make someone else beat you. Uh Phil, what do you think? Do you make that call on the road? Should have been called. I.
2: I think I think it's one of those calls where if you're calling it by the rule in the book then that's a foul. I mean, he there's definitely an extension of the arm there that that created some space for the shot, but as use I just I don't think you I don't think you make that call in that situation. I don't think it was egregious. Um I I personally was fine with the no call. I also wouldn't have been out
1: Josh should have been called. Are you fine with a no call? What do you think?
3: I'm just so over inconsistency because yep. we see that same call called a hundred times every week. When we watch a lot of basketball, and that call is called all the time. And I understand why they don't call it, and I'm not that upset. But I understand Indiana fans ever gripe, and Our friend and one of our poll voters, former head of officials, John Adams, Said that that was definitely a foul on Boo Boo. He pushed off. So all I'm saying is if you call that in the first minute of the game and you call in every game, that's got to be a foul call regardless. But yeah. I'm also not that upset that they didn't call it either. So. And how many times have we seen a guy – to- Kentucky fan. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like, like I understand in um, the emotions of everything, how you could kind of let it go because he didn't like fully extend. But it, it was – I mean, that's a player control foul, no matter how you slice
1: it. I mean, what I was going to say is how many times we've seen a guy drop well, to the lane and the defender on Bailey. Bailey, any contact would just flop back and they'll call a charge on that. This time, there was actually extensively on. there's actually contact. I wouldn't have been mad if they would have called it a charge or a push-off. But I, it's on the road. I mean, you're not, I don't think you're going to get that call on the road. So, I'm fine with the no call. Hey, one
0: second when before I think we move on. To Josh's point just- – Go ahead,
2: Phil. I was just gonna to say to Josh's point, we just need consistency on it. Yes. 100%. One way or the other, you just have to know 100. what the rule is because they don't call that play, they don't call that play the same any two times. I mean, you could watch 10, 15 of those plays and it's gonna be seven and eight, uh, of whether it's a foul or not, which is you know, we just have to hash out what is a foul there.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I do want to just point out one thing. So the official that called the double to the technical on in Indiana on the bench, and then Mike Woodson, and was in charge of a lot of the bad calls that's happened co- across Big Ten, not only with Indiana but with some other teams as well. There's actually a huge petition going on that fans from every every team is actually supporting and signing to have him fired from Big Ten. Wow, Boy, I did see today. That's crazy! So, Holy shit! I, it was over, I think it was over a couple hundred thousand signees, like, as of earlier today that I saw. So, I uh, I hadn't checked it since, like, 10 o'clock this morning when I first came across it, but it was kind of funny just to see.
1: Jesus, that's ridiculous. Moving on, though, uh, number 11, Marquette, knocked off number 16, ranked Xavier, 69 to 68. This is a game where Soli Boone played 40 minutes at 24 points. Tyler Kulik is probably my favorite player in the Big East Conference. 15 points, five assists, eight rebounds. Guys, shocker smart, got it done. They won the game, and they won it without really shooting the ball well from three. 22.7% from the three-point line, and they still end up getting this victory. Talk to me about Marquette, and can Marquette make a run to the Final Four this year?
3: Yeah, um, so somebody else will jump in. Yeah, um, yeah, Marquette can because their offense is good. And you know when it gets nut-cut in time that Shaka is going to make sure the defense is there. They're they're not egregious. They're 59th in defense, number four in offense. They've got dudes. Peyton, we've seen them. They're big and athletic. They can shoot a little bit. This is a tough-minded team in Marquette. Uh, they're top of the Big East now. Controlled destiny in their own hands to win a Big East outright regular season title. They're uh, one game up in the lost column when Creighton, Xavier, and Providence. I think they see it through, and absolutely, I think they can get to the Final Four. And by the way, what a great week so far for the Big East. This game, the Creighton and Providence game, the Big East at the top of the conference. The Big 12 is the best conference top to bottom, but the most exciting conference this year in college basketball has been the Big East. You
2: know, I'm not usually like a big, um, you know, successful loss type of guy or whatever but Xavier has to come out of this feeling pretty good even though they only lost by one considering you're still missing Fremantle Sully Boom is banged up you don't have Desmond Claude or Cam Craft coming off the bench I mean they only end up really playing six guys and and still only lose by one on the road to you know the number 11 team in the country so I think Xavier can definitely take some some good out of this
1: yeah, 100%. You know, both teams, these are definitely two teams that can make a run in the Final Four. We mentioned it on Monday. Both of these teams are ranked, like, top 10, top 15 in offensive efficiency this year in Ken Palm. It all just comes down can they get enough stops? And Marquette, Josh, they got enough stops in this game to win this game like we expected, like we anticipated. Staying in the Big East... Providence and double overtime knocks off Creighton 94-86. to This is a game where Devin Carter played tremendous, especially down the stretch. 25 points. He was tremendous. uh, 45 minutes in this game, 25 points, eight rebounds. Man, Ed Cooley, you just don't win at the end this year, man. You don't go in there and beat Providence. Providence holds home court 94-86. to Josh, Coy, Phil. Five this is a real deal, especially at home. Fellas, how
3: about the, the balls of Ed Cooley? Game's on the line, Creighton's ball, tie ball game, and he runs a full-out half-court trap to make Creighton have to burn a timeout and get rid of the basketball. Just the guts to do that because most coaches wouldn't do that. Devin Carter was tremendous. He He should be talked about a lot more for impact transfer coming over from South Carolina than what he is getting talked about. Bryce Hopkins, we know how great he's been this year, hitting clutch shots, going to the rim, posting up. This Providence team just is you're not gonna find a team more tough than an Ed Cooley-led Providence team. And Creighton on the flip side, they played a really good ball game. This is one of the best games I've seen all year. And what did I mention to you and Corey on Sunday when we previewed this? Creighton scares me because their starting five plays so many minutes. And what came back to haunt them in this game? Their starting five wore out and their bench or lack there of bench minutes and production came back to haunt them because that starting five just gassed out by the end of the second overtime. Ryan Nimhard was tremendous in this game. He went off at the end of the second half and into overtimes. But ultimately, Creighton, if they want to make a deep run, they have to have at least one bench guy give them good production because the starting five can only do so much. Great game, though. Great week for the big east.
2: Yeah. Fantastic game. Um, Bryce Hopkins with 50 minutes in this game, 20 points and nine boards. I mean, if you look at some of the minutes numbers and for both of these teams, it's crazy because I mean, they honestly, neither team has a ton of depth. You got Devin Carter going for 45 minutes, Ed Croswell going for 46. So, yeah, it was it was an unbelievable game. Reminded me of uh, one of those old school like Big East tournament games, just overtime, uh, a battle till the end. Um, Creighton has been a different team since Calc Brenner's come back. I think, you know, they were three games out of first place just like two weeks ago. And are now sitting right on the doorstep of taking the regular season conference title, which is unbelievable after that, you know, I think eight or nine game losing streak that they had. Nobody wants to run into Creighton in the tournament. But as we see in the Big East, it's it's just like whoever's at home. You know, each of these teams is splitting, you know, the season series and whatever team is at home is winning. I think Providence has won like 29 out of their last 30 home games, which is nuts. Um, just, I, I love the Big East. like Josh mentioned, probably not top to bottom, the biggest or best conference right now, but the top five or six teams are. At-
1: I a hundred percent agree. Coy Providence, they just don't lose anything thing up this year. Really any year.
0: Yeah, no, I think, uh, what was it? They're like 29 and one in their last 30 games at home or something pretty impressive. Like they, they hold home car extremely well. They do, not, they do not take a loss, and they absolutely battle it out with the best of them. So, no, uh, the Big East is exciting when it comes to games going into Providence. Uh, and overall, like Josh said, absolutely great week with gay, great games. So, 100%.
1: Providence held home court against Creighton, but a team that didn't hold home court was Oklahoma State. As the Kansas Jayhawks goes into Oklahoma State and knocks off Oklahoma State. The Cowboys, 87-76. to 70, And, boys, I'm going to put it like this. The Dick performed well on Valentine's Day, ladies and gentlemen. Lady <laughs> Dick, 26 points, lights out from three, getting buckets towards the rim. Defensively, he did what he could. Man, Grady Dick, he's starting to find his form as he was at the beginning of the year. This Kansas team is one of those teams that can get to the Final Four for back-to-back years and potentially win the national title this year. Talk to me about Kansas going into Oklahoma State, a tough Oklahoma State team who's been playing well these last couple weeks. Josh, Kansas, knocks off Oklahoma State. What you think?
3: Yeah, you know, they were they were really in control for most of this game and kind of kept Oklahoma State at arm's length. Uh, every time Oklahoma State would go on a run, Anderson or one of the guys would hit a three, and they'd string together five, six points. Kansas would counter it with their own five, six, seven, oh, seven zero oh run, and so it was never really in doubt the result. But Kansas, we've talked about it in recent weeks, all of us that. Kansas needs their other guys not named Jalen Wilson to step up. And here lately, that's what we've been seeing, whether it be a Grady Dick or a Kevin McCuller or KJ Adams or DeWan Harris or whoever, the fact that Kansas is getting their other guys hot at the right time of the year is huge for Kansas, a team trying to go back-to-back for the first time since Florida did it back in 06, 07. And fellas, I mean – I I do still think there's matchups that Kansas should be very wary of in the tournament, but if the role players continue to play well, I like the Jayhawks odds at least getting back to the final four.
2: I mean, you're not going to beat Kansas too often when they're sharing the ball. They were the way they were in this game. They had 26 assists, which is just absurd. Um, you're not going to beat too many teams at all when you play like that. But Peyton mentioned Grady Dick. There was one particular play. Like he's been really impressing me lately with the way he can adjust his release on the three pointer. And he there was a corner three that they closed out on actually pretty well. And he just kind of tucked his arm a little bit as the dude came past and just drilled it. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of stuff that NBA scouts are looking for as a guy who can, you know, catch and shoot off the ball. Uh, great performance from Grady Dick, but yeah, Kansas sh-
1: Yeah, and that shot you're alluding to, I think that was a shot that we hit before uh, we went to halftime to end the first half because it was a corner three. Kevin McCullough hit him for a corner three. They closed out very well, and he's still just – Bottom of the net, didn't even touch the rim. Um, Duane Harris in this game, you mentioned assists, had nine assists in this game. He didn't score the ball well. He had five points. But, man, he's able to drop some dimes. One of the best facilitators, probably the best facilitator in the country this year. But moving on, I do got a question. You were at the Duke-Notre Dame game. Uh, what, what was that, Monday game, Tuesday game? It was Tuesday, right? I don't remember. Either uh, Tuesday. way. Yeah, it was Tuesday, like yeah. So. Uh, Duke wins sixty eight sixty four, and I got a question. This is the first game back for Coach Case in Cameron Indoor since he lost that North Carolina game last year, last game of the regular season when he took it out to North Carolina. What 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 got a louder reaction from the Cameron Crazies? Was it Coach K coming into Cameron Indoor, or was it when Mark Mitchell hit that corner three to really seal the deal for Duke? What was louder?
2: Oh, not. Not even close. It was the Mark Mitchell three. I'll be honest, the uh, reception for coaching, obviously a warm reception. I don't want to say that it wasn't, but I think they were trying to keep things pretty minimal. They didn't, they didn't do any kind of video package. It was literally just an announcement um, right before tip off that him and his wife were there. They stood up um, and left. They got a round of applause, but pretty chill. But no, by the, by the end of the game, the the Mark Mitchell three, that place absolutely
1: exploded. Yeah huge three. Uh, they left him wide open. He knocked it down. Hats off to Duke. Big win for them. And I'll tell you what, Josh, it's nice that we had the go in the building for this game. Oh, and it was nice to see Coach K there too. <laughs> I got <laughs> yeah, you. Oh, there I, you. Got, I got you, buddy. There you go. I got you, dog. Uh, Let's move on. Let's get into some of these previews. Um, The biggest game of the weekend, we got Baylor going at Kansas, going at Allen Fieldhouse. First game of the year, Baylor won, I think it was 75. He was 69 or 68. Uh, They won it on their home court. It was a tough game for Kansas. This was the last game. This is when Kansas was on their uh, three-game losing streak, that Baylor won. And Baylor, they got the best backcourt in the country. Josh, who wins this game?
3: Oh, man, put me on the spot. Uh, Kim Tom favors the Jayhawks, 78-74. Allen Fieldhouse is going to be a tough environment. It always is. Uh, you know it's going to be packed out. And uh, you forgot to mention a lot on the line here. Five games left for just about everybody. And these two teams, along with Texas, are tied for the Big 12 lead. Both are all three at, what, 9-4 and four in the conference right now. So a lot at stake here. Ultimately, the winner of this will um, – have that advantage, I guess, should you say, down the home stretch here to win the conference outright. I like Baylor. I I like Baylor a lot. I know it's not easy to go into Allen Fieldhouse and win, but you talk about role players in Kansas. We just praised them. I don't know if they can be that consistent. Baylor's got the number one offense in America right now, and they are just thrashing teams. I know the TCU game last week was a little closer than expected, but Keontae George, Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer, and plus with Jonathan chomley Joshua back, potentially get KJ Adams, their lone big man for Kansas in foul trouble. Give me Baylor by six in this game.
1: Coy, what you got?
0: Yeah, my uh, my bad beat bet was uh, taking uh, Baylor to go 2-0 this week. Uh, they already took the first win on Monday night. And uh, so I am gonna stick with this one. I think you know, like we've mentioned numerous times, they have the best backcourt in the country. Um, you know, we've we've seen Kansas have some other players step up, but at the same time, I, I don't think it continues. I think uh, I think Jalen Wilson definitely gets his, but I don't think the Grady Dick and the rest of them kind of, you know, play up to what they need. I am um, still gonna take Baylor. I am gonna take them. You know, a nice easy little uh, what seventy seventy six to sixty eight win.
2: Phil. Wow. I didn't expect us to uh, all be on the Baylor train here, but I am also going with Baylor in this one.
1: I think (laughs) they're just kind of
2: rounding into form now, (laughs) starting to play their best basketball, which, uh, you know, bodes well for them. I think they're one of the national title favorites, at least in my mind right now. Um, But they've had four different guys lead them in scoring the last four games with Bridges, George Flagler and Cryer. So I think they, you know, they don't have to rely on one guy. Not necessarily that Kansas does, but I think that they're a little more spread out. Josh mentioned uh, Chamwe Chacho coming back as well, helps him out. I, I think Baylor takes this one 80 to 76, a tough one on the road, but Keontae George.
3: Yeah, and I'll uh, paint that offense real quick, too. I mean, we mentioned they're number one in the country. They're 11th in offensive rebound percentage, and getting JTT back uh, only helps those percentages theoretically. So, Baylor misses shots. You have guys that will go get the rebound to give second and third opportunities. They make their free throws. They're shooting seventy five point six percent from the free throw line. The one key, the one thing I think as a Kansas fan, Peyton, that you have to hang your hat on that you win this game besides being at home, Baylor defensively is a little shaky at times. They're seventy eighth in adjusted defense in the nation. Maybe Kansas gets some easy runouts and uh, can beat them that way.
0: By the way, you before you go, Peyton. That's really cute. You got a Kleenex ready to go on your chest.
1: Listen, man, <laughs> I'll tell you what. It's a championship-winning Kleenex. You don't know nothing about that. Man, Josh, you just mentioned it. Baylor's number one in offense, according to Ken Bond but they're only 78th in defense. Kansas is 14th in defense and they're 20th in offense. They're top 20 in both offense and defense. They're a lot more consistent, well-balanced team than Baylor is. And then, man, Dewan Harris is the best point in the country. I don't give a shit what anyone says. Jalen Wilson might have 30 points in this game. Grady Dix probably gonna go for 15. And Kevin McCullough, we didn't mention that. If he he did get injured in that um, Oklahoma State game, it didn't tweak his ankle. But he's been having ongoing ankle problems since that Kentucky game. If he's not back, then I'm fine with you guys picking Baylor to win this game. But I think he's gonna be back. He's gonna be ready to go. And man, this kid's gonna play well on both sides of the floor. Allen Fieldhouse, I'm sorry. Kansas equals the series 1 1. Kansas wins this game 84 to
3: 80. Last thing real quick, here's the thing I'll say about this. Kansas has been known a lot this season in Big 12 play to play close games and even fall behind. Baylor's the absolute last team you want to fall behind to. If they go down early in this game, 12, 14, 15 points, it is over with because I don't see them coming back. They might get it close, but Baylor will suffocate them. Fair
1: so point. I'm not I'm not mad at y'all for going Baylor, but last time, I'm just going to say this, last time you three went against my Kansas Jayhawks, you ended up on the losing side, a.k.a. Providence was going to beat Kansas in the Sweet 16 last year. Kiss my ass on that one. Rock y'all, bitches. Moving on to the next game, though. We got Joshua Boyce. I'm so mad that Kentucky won that Mississippi State game because I had this kind of thing <laughs> planned out. I was going to- We did I was going to dress Wait. up in all black and be prepared for Kentucky's funeral this Saturday because they, the, they get the second matchup against number 10-ranked Tennessee, who just beat the number one team again in Alabama. I'm going to go first on this one. Tennessee, there's not many better coaches in the game when it comes to revenge games than Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes and revenge games as good as anyone, and they're going to be motivated. They just came off of a big-time win against Alabama. Tennessee wins this game, low scoring like it was last time. 71 to 64. Tennessee wins.
2: I think uh, Kentucky takes this one. Kentucky's going to be desperate. They're the home team. I like Kentucky 72 65.
1: Corey.
0: Uh, I'm going against the Wildcats in this one. I think, uh, I think Tennessee absolutely is coming out with piss and vinegar, uh, ready to get their revenge. Um, I don't think that Kentucky's playing at the par, you know, the level to knock them off. Tennessee has a lot of confidence coming in. I know they are c- inconsistent uh, a lot of the time, uh, this year, but I just don't think that they're going to take a loss. And I think, you know, the battle of the road team is going to win this year, uh, for the matchups. I think, uh, I just don't see Kentucky, you know, having enough. Tennessee's defense is just going to be overpowering, and uh, I see them taking this one. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring than the prediction. Uh, I think it's going to be about a, a sixty-six to fifty-nine
3: game. So Kentucky got a much needed win last night on the road against Mississippi State without Xavier Wheeler, C.J. Frederick. All signs point to both of them being out yet again. So that that does concern me. And Kason Wallace has not been shooting or scoring the basketball well at all the last couple games. And the the previous matchup, Tennessee goes three of twenty-one from the three-point line. Kentucky does have the ability to hit some. I think last night they hit six or seven threes in that game. Chris Livingston's playing better. And to take an effect, the Cats now have two quad ones, borderline quad three. If Texas A&M keeps winning, they will jump up. That's three quad ones. That is huge for the tournament resume, but ultimately, Kentucky's still a bubble team. Desperate, They win this. I think they're securely in, and I, there's something about it. We play well against Tennessee at Rupp Arena. And also, the last point, Saturday, the 96 and 98 national title teams are being celebrated. Tubby Smith, Antoine Walker, Ron Mercer, Tony Delft, all the big guys are going to be there. It's going to be an emotionally in arena. It's going to be loud. I think Tennessee's lack of consistent offense comes back to haunt them again. I think they'll hit a better percentage from three because Rupp Arena has softer rims and all opposing teams come in and shoot well there regardless of how they're playing. But I think there's something. Kentucky, because they're emotionally charged, they desperately need this win. Cats sweep the balls this year. Tennessee's lack of scoring costs them. The first team to 65 points wins this game. I think Kentucky wins this game in a close one. 72-67. cat sweep securely in the NCAA tournament. Wish that I was on right, That's cheap heat. Off. That's me, cheap
1: heat. Let me turn that shit off. Well, Josh, we've disagreed on this one because, like I said, I said Tennessee wins one. Josh, let's just take a step back for this game. We got the Battle of Assembly Hall, Illinois at number 14 ranked Indiana. Phil Coy, y'all go ahead. Josh, let's just sit back and watch.
0: (laughs) Go ahead, Phil. uh
2: I wish that I could uh that I could pick against Indiana here but Illinois just you know they have again no consistency consistency is the uh, big word for me today I guess but Illinois can't seem to string together two or three decent games in a row they look great one game horrible the next um just got lit up by Penn State the other night um but both teams looking for a bounce back I just think Indiana dominates down low TJD is a, is a little too much for Dane Dynja. And then, uh, you know, Illinois, again, just can't find the consistency at guard. TJ Shannon, I don't expect to necessarily be great. And I think Indiana kind of has their way with Illinois in this one, 75.
0: I think, uh, Phil, I just want to hear one thing. On Sunday, after Indiana wins this, you have to admit the the real Assembly Hall is in
2: Bloomington. <laughs> Well, I mean, our, our place isn't even called assembly hall anymore, so you can, you can have it, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we're, no, we're, we're the state farm center now. Oh yeah.
0: I forgot you guys You know, decided to change it up after you guys got in hang with, you know, a, a real assembly hall, um, smart choice, but anyways, no, I think, uh, I think you kind of hit it right on the head. Uh, I think just Indiana has too much firepower uh, with Jackson Davis, Jalen hood Safino. I think Trey Galloway is going to step up and uh, and kind of uh, command uh, the, the runner in the lane and hit a couple threes to kind of separate himself and have another kind of go-off game. Um, I just think Indiana is going to be pissed off after that comeback and uh, that loss and stuff. Um, that's the only thing I kind of worry is, after all that performance and putting so much energy and effort into that game, that they come and come out with a lackluster. But I think Indiana just doesn't lose a second game at home uh, this year. I think they take this one. I think they're going to take it a little bit more commanding. Uh, I'm going to go an 83 to 67 game.
3: The only reason they called Assembly Hall is because all 17,000 people. You guys give your picks. Go ahead, Phil.
2: I was just going to say, I would have picked Illinois to win this game if Indiana wasn't coming off the loss. I just think that Indiana, like Corey said, is going to be pissed off, especially with I,
3: – I. The only reason they called Assembly Hall, Peyton, is because all 17,000 people that show up have to assemble together to help clean off the dust on those old, dusty-ass banners from the last time Indiana won one.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Another thing, like why you're battling over the who the Wheel Assembly Hall is. All I'm gonna say is, at least Illinois Assembly Hall, at least nothing's falling off from the damn rafters. And yeah, trying to floor, hurt people. Almost trying to hurt people, like Jesus. But, anyway, but
3: Josh, real, real, hey, gosh, real
1: quick, hold up, real quick, Josh. Little f-
2: in the, Indiana hasn't been able to afford any renovations in a long- <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, That's great. <laughs> Uh, but Josh, what, what I was gonna say is, um, do you think Illinois actually double teams TJD this game? They didn't do it the first matchup. Do you think they send a double team this week?
3: They damn sure better. They better and make it Indiana have to be a three-point shooting team. Is how you have to play them right now, especially in Assembly Hall. But real quick, because I know we got to get a move on real quick, we're going a little long. But Indiana wins this game, the revenge game after losing Northwestern, leaves sour taste in their mouth. Indiana close throughout. Indiana pulls away the final two minutes, wins this ball game.
1: We're gonna sweep it because I got IU holding home court as well. I don't see them losing this game. Kim um, Palm says seventy-five to seventy-one for Indiana. I think Indiana is gonna win eighty-one to seventy-three. IU holds home court. Moving on to the final game. We got another rivalry. I don't know. Illinois and Indiana is not a rivalry game. But for some reason, a lot of people think it is. But it's not. Uh, but an actual true real rivalry game is Michigan State at Michigan. Um, Michigan State won the first matchup in East Lansing. I forgot what the well, Hold was. on. It hold on. We need, to,
3: we need to be careful in this one. I'm not going to give a prediction because I don't even know if this game is going to be played. You got to keep in mind Michigan State is on a yeah. pause right now due to the – By the way senseless tragedy Uh, we posted on our twitter this shit has to stop i don't care what side of the aisle you fall in we don't do politics here but i will say whether you're on one side on the left one side on the right i would like to think that we all can agree like this shit has to stop but with that being said keep in mind michigan state didn't play their midweek game they're on a pause i don't know if this game is going to be played so i would be very careful making a prediction on it right now
1: uh, that's a good point. Um, well, I'm sure we'll probably find out here sooner rather than later if that game's going to be played this Saturday. But since we don't actually know, we're actually not going to give a prediction on that game. Let's move on to something a little bit different that we've been doing for the past uh, week now. We started it last week. We did our Big 12 draft. Monday, we did our SEC draft. And today, we are going to the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC draft. And... How this order is going to be? It's going to be myself going first. Uh, Phil's going second. Corey's third. Josh is fourth. This is snake style. Corey, you get that? You know how a snake draw a snake uh, style draft works, like you get. Yeah, that, Corey. Like, are you prepared? Finally,
0: uh, I'm ready. I'm in the middle, so I gotta like, I got people to go back to back and give me a split second to look over things. Uh, you know, so I am. I'm a little bit more ready for this one.
1: All right, Uh, let's go. Well, I'm my first pick. I could take a guy that I, you know, love watching. I know Phil does too, but I'm not going to do that. Let me get Isaiah Wong from Miami.
2: Okay. Um. I mean, I took him in my first draft that I did a a couple weeks ago on this, but uh, I'm going to take Turk Smith again.
3: Damn it! Damn it, Corey. (laughs) Um,
0: uh, give me uh, Tyree Appleby.
3: Damn it, that's who I was taking. Shit. Damn it. All right. Well, I get the next two. Um, there, there's not a whole lot of great bigs in this conference, and I should take Baycott, but I'm not. I'm going to take Norchad Omir for the physicality. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take. Yeah, um, I'm going to take Norchad Omir. And you know what? Just to be different, I'm going to show our surname some love because he's playing out of his mind this year. Give me Jamarius Burton in my backcourt from Pittsburgh. That's fine. I had him on my list, but I don't really need him. Uh, Coy?
0: Give me – you know what? I'm going to go big. I'm going to take Armando
2: Baycott.
1: Got Phil?
2: Who would have seen Baycott falling into the second round in this draft? Uh, Hopefully no UNC fans listen, because I'm sure they will be pissed. Um, But I'm going to take Blake Henson out of Pitt. Uh, Don't you have? (laughs) Yeah, I like Blake Henson. He's a little undersized. Blake Henson from Pitt. Um, Averaging 16 a game, six rebounds, shooting the ball.
1: Well, I got two picks here. Um, this backcourt's going to be very interesting. But I think I'm a huge fan of this kid, and I think he's been playing well so far this season, and I hope he actually comes back because I think he's going to be so much better next year. Let me go Tyrese Parker as my point guard. And then after that, to round out my backcourt, let me go to Virginia. Let me go to Lee Beekman.
3: Nice.
2: Hoping Beekman would uh, make it to me again. I really liked my Turk Smith and Beekman backcourt last time, but I'll take a, more of a primary ball handler this time and a guy who can maybe uh, get us a bucket.
0: Who'd Phil take it? Cut off on me, sorry. Uh,
1: Phil, who'd you get again? Jeremy Roach. Jeremy Lutz. Ah, Jeremy yeah, Lynch, okay. okay. All
2: right, all right. Uh, give
0: me... Uh, I'll take uh, Juden Mintz.
3: Mm. Oh, from Syracuse. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I get two in a row here. Give me uh, a guy that's been playing really well since he's been sort of healthy. Give me Hunter Couture. And then give me Hunter Tyson. Give me a pair of Hunters, baby. Corey? Uh, Corey.
0: Give me... Uh, a former Hoosier. Uh, this is playing really well. Kind of exciting. Armand Franklin.
1: I love that pick. He's so fun to watch. He's been big time this year. Phil?
2: I'm going to take uh, Baba Miller. Exciting.
1: Damn, I forgot about his ass too. From Florida State. Yep. All right. Well, my final two picks here. I need a Powell Ford. I need a center. Let me get. Oh, dude, I got so many options here for Powell Ford. Uh, let me go, Justin Mutz from Virginia Tech, and then round it out my center. Damn it, Josh. I wanted North Chad to eat you little asshole. I wanted his <laughs> ass. I was gonna play small ball too. Um, you no, know let me go to Clemson. Let me go, PJ Hall.
3: Oh, I like that pick. I like that.
0: That's what I was gonna take it in the four.
2: Yeah, coming back to me, I need a center, and uh, I think I'm gonna get the best defensive.
0: Let's see. I'll go... Uh, I need a power forward. I'm going to go uh, Jaden Gardner.
3: Yeah, that was one I can, of the options. I can go anyway. I'm I i mean, I'm a little small in the front court here. Uh, I got Nor Chad playing my center, but I, I'll be okay. I like the athleticism and length. Give me another North Carolina State Tar... Or I mean Tar. He'll listen to me. North Carolina tar- State you. Wolfpack play. Player, if you'd let me spit it out, give me... Uh I just forgot his name. Hold on. Where'd he go? I just forgot. Oh, oh Jarkel Joyner. Oh my god. I, I just went blank because of the whole Tar Heel thing. Jarkel Joyner. He's been tremendous this year.
2: Yep. Josh Good
0: is name. gonna be the uh Josh is gonna be one hundred percent uh fan, most hated uh
3: know <laughs> <Easton. laughs> <100%. laughs> Wow. No Carolina on the state tar heels, baby. Well, oh my God.
0: this show was fun. We'll be uh, petitioned to be shut down very soon after that.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah well, it's all good. We're going to have to have a new host here soon. Um, yeah, you'll I'm... have
2: you'll have two different fans. Yeah.
3: Just hate on us. Just hate on us. But I like my team, though. For real, though. I've got Joyner, uh, Jamarius Burton. I've got Norchad Omer, and then Hunter Couture, Hunter Tyson. Undersized, but I can shoot. So who cares? Josh, anytime we do
1: this draft, is there a team that you're going to draft that you're just not going to like? Because you said that about every draft, like, oh, I like my team. I like my team a lot, man. You said that. About what do you a lot. want me to do?
3: What do you want me to do? Say I drafted a shitty team? Then that's a reflection on my my scouting ability. What do you want me to do? Say I drafted a terrible team? No, yes. I like my team.
1: Listen, man, my team's got some athleticism. They got some shooting. They got a star player in Isaiah Long. Um, P.J. Hall is a great defender, too. Justin must to touch out his shots a little bit. So can Beekman. Oh, I do like my team. I was just giving you some shakes. I thought it was funny. All uh, right, let's so wrap I, this up. I want to
0: draft. It's fine. <laughs> uh,
3: you, you're uh, an Indiana fan. You ain't won nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all. Right.
3: That's it. I'm, I'm,
0: like, I'm like the 2013 Louisville. It looks good on paper, but, you know, there's nothing to shake but, <laughs>
3: All right, Peyton. This is going off the rails with internet issues. Wrap this thing up. Tell them where they can find us Sunday.
1: Uh, well, Phil's already left. He got tired of Corey talking shit, which I can't blame him because I might actually dip out here soon. Um, Moving on, Uh, those the last – next week or next uh, Sunday when we record the show, we're probably going to do the Big Ten Draft, so stay tuned for that. Thank you guys so much for joining in. You can catch us on our social media page, at ECB Podcast 10 on Twitter. Um, make sure you check out House College Tubes, House Enterprise, uh, Beauty and Beasts, Nutrition. Check them all out. And uh, my name's – We're Bill- called-
3: We apologize about the internet issues, and we tried to power through it. Sunday will be a lot better and back to normal. All right, listen, I'm the only one who didn't have internet issues. Let's go, man.
1: Um, I didn't either. uh, Well, you did Sunday, though. You sounded like a damn robot. Well, you did yesterday. You sounded like a damn robot. (laughs) That's because it was
0: 1130 at night. Like, Come on now.
1: Okay, I get it. But anyways, make sure you guys tune in to Sunday's episode, episode 139 of the podcast. Uh, Get your weekly pick-ems in. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. And my name is Peyton, Fakoy, Josh, Phil. We'll catch y'all next week. Peace, y'all.